0: Hey, Good morning. It's good to see you all. Uh, This is your first time here. My name is Ricardo Stewart and I'm one of the pastors here. I want to personally welcome you to Redemption Church. Uh, Just a little bit about Redemption. We are one church and we have multiple congregations. And so what that means is we have a congregation that meets in Gateway. uh, We have a congregation that meets in Gilbert and Arcadia area and here in Tempe. We have two church plants uh, in Flagstaff as well as West Mesa, which is our uh, bilingual service here um, just just in the West Mesa side of here. Uh, we're excited about Redemption Church, and so if you are here for the first time, one, you come in a, a great Sunday because we're going to do something a little bit different today and that we're going to take a pause off the First Peter series. Um, so for the past several weeks, we've been looking through the book of First Peter and uh, hearing what Peter's words to the first church or the original church that he was speaking to and what that has for us and what implications does God's word has for us. But this week, um, we said last week or the couple weeks before that, that we're going to take a Sunday off to talk about Redemption Church and prim- Primarily redemption, Tempe, and talk about the vision um, where we're going to go. So uh, before we get in that, the first a couple things. One, uh, I just want to apologize. Um, just if I am not my normal self, uh, this la- yesterday was a really really rough rough day. One, ASU got beat, um, and um, U of A won. Um, Both of those things are never usually good for me, but even worse than that, uh, I think I got food poisoning or something, so I was up all night uh, doing what you do when you have food poisoning, no need to get graphic here, so it was either food poisoning or I was just really still butt hurt from the loss, so I'm not really sure what that was, but didn't get a lot of sleep, so I just want to be able to apologize, and I was thinking, oh, this is the Sunday, we're going to talk about the excitement of the church, and here I am, you know, hanging out with my toilet, and so uh, I love you guys, all right? few announcements. Uh, First is on November 11th, which is two weeks from this Sunday, we are having our annual turkey drive where we bring in turkeys to support the Rio Vista Center, uh, which is in South Phoenix. And so every year, we bring in turkeys. And so this year, uh, we've committed to them that we're going to bring in 350 turkeys, okay? So what that means is You can't do what we normally do. Somebody else is going to bring the turkey. No, no one else is going to bring it except for you. You have to know we're bringing frozen turkeys. We said 350. I'd love to get way more than that. And so November 11th, just bring your frozen turkeys here. They'll have a truck outside to take the frozen turkeys. Uh, 350, we'll blow it out of the waters between this service to five as well. well. Well, we'll have four services come that time. But through all the services, we'll be able to blow it out of the water. Now, one thing that you need to know about that. They want frozen turkeys. Um, last couple of years, people have brought in cooked turkeys, uh, deep fried turkeys. Um, don't bring those here. In fact, bring the deep fried turkeys to my house. Um, bring, bring the fro- we want frozen turkeys. And so that's going to be November 11th. That's two weeks from this Sunday. Um, last is also uh, next Sunday, uh, we start our four services. So starting next Sunday, there will be no 10 a.m. service. Uh, we are saying goodbye today to the 10 a.m. service. And so next week we'll have services at 9 a.m. and 10.45, and we'll continue the same service times for our evening at 5 p.m. and 7 p.m. So next week, 9 a.m. and 10.45. Uh, we'll hope to see you guys there. We're already set up. We've got volunteers that are already ready to, to serve, and so just think about next week, 9 a.m. and 10.45. Good. Um, if you guys don't have a Bible, why don't you guys raise your hands and uh, hold your hands up high. We're going we're gonna to start in the text here, but the majority of our time we're going to be talking about redemption. But uh, turn to Ephesians chapter 4, the scripture that we just had read. Um, if you don't have a Bible, again, raise your hand and keep it raised really high so one of the guys can get you a copy of, uh, of, of God's word. Um, Ephesians chapter 4 is what we're going to look at here. We're going to start there. Um, If you don't own a Bible, please take the Bible that we're handing out and keep it so that you can have a Bible. This is our gift to you so that you can have a copy of God's word with you, that you can read it and grow in the understanding and knowledge of of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, As as you turn there, um, I I just want to point a couple things out is that... uh, you when you walked in on your on your chair you probably would have saw this brochure that says building a stronger church and on the back you probably would have read it just like in any class you walk in the teacher places something down and before they can describe it you read it and you go oh i know what's going on today all right so you're right and we did that purposely i want to start now where we're going to end um, coming this next year, so the beginning of 20, 2013, we are going to have a six-week vision uh, series. And when I say six-week vision series, uh, normally what we do in Redemption Church is we, we teach the same text, uh, the same book of the Bible on all four campuses. Uh, what we're going to do this, this time is we're going to have the same series title, which is Building a Stronger Church. Um, and the purpose of that is that each local congregation could address their local audience and what we believe God is calling us to do. So particularly for us here in Tempe, we believe it's the next step um, we believe it's our next step for growth. It's our next step for who we are at Tempe. Um, and so we are going to not only have a six-week vision campaign, but at the end of that, we're going to have an opportunity for us to raise, uh, raise funds for us to fi- officially purchase and buy the property that we have here. And so some of you are clueless to that. Um, what property are you talking about? Um, by the end of the day, I'll give you some clarity on that. But we're, we are really excited about that, really excited about the opportunity for us to uh, grow as a church spiritually. And when I say growth not just numerically, but growing in roots. And so, um, by the end of the day, we're going to explain this in detail. But before we do that, I just want to, before we talk about the future, I do want to do some things in honoring the past. Um, So, a couple weeks ago, we came and we told you you guys that we had celebrated our eighth year um, as being Redemption Tempe. And so, before it was Redemption Tempe, it was a church named Praxis, which is started by a man by the name of Justin Anderson. Um, Justin Anderson started this church. We merged the churches a couple years ago. Um, and during the merger in the first couple of years, Justin really sensed the call uh, from God to go plant in San Francisco. And he answered that call. And um, it was a year ago, almost to the date, a year ago in October, where Justin came up here and for the first time told the body that he was going to be leaving to go plant a church. It was a rough day for all of us. Um, and then after that, people would ask me, over and over and over again. What's your vision for the church? What's your vision for the church? Is the church going to shut down? Is it over? Uh, the church won't shut down, and no, it's not over. And I just said, hey, give me a year. Let me just get a year. Let's go through the transitions and let's see what happens. Because we're, we were convinced that this, um, in the same way that when the apostle Paul writes to the church in Corinth in First Corinthians chapter three, um, speaking of a man named Paulus and himself, he says, "One plants, and another waters." And so if these men were faithful to plant and, and faithful to water, what we knew the overarching theme of the gospel is that God will get the increase. And so we were convinced that this, no matter who was leading this church, whether it was me or whether it was Justin, that God was more concerned about the sanctification and the growth of redemption to be far more than we can ever be. And so what we wanted to do was just to be faithful to him, and we were excited about that. And so we, for the past year, have been able to see significant things happen. Uh, Though we've lost some people and they've transitioned to some other things, we've also gained some people that have been influential in what we believe God is doing here as leaders. But before we can talk about what's going to happen, I thought it would be very fitting for us to honor the past um, and inviting in Justin Anderson to meet you guys. So why don't you guys bring out, welcome Justin. You got it. Good to see you. <laughs> I wanted to get the smoke. We forgot it. Dang it. So, next time. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, I, uh, Justin was going to be in town already, and uh, I called him and just said, hey, if you're going to be here, can you stay all Sunday? we got a really cool, important Sunday. And Uh, We just want to honor him before we can even talk about the future. Me personally, um, and we'll talk about that later, I just appreciate this man and his vision for this church and his vision for the church in general and the desire to move his family up to San Francisco. And you guys ask all the time, what's happening in San Francisco? We hear about Flagstaff. We hear about what's happening in San Francisco. And uh, so since Justin's here, I just want you to just give an update on San Francisco and let everybody know what you've been doing for the past several months
1: thank you it is uh, It is good to be here with you all It is uh, also extremely difficult uh, to look out and see so many people that uh, we know and love, and uh, we miss you guys like crazy. So um, we moved to San Francisco about six months ago, and we didn't know anybody there in the city. And so it's been a it's been a transition of um, being in a place where we knew lots of people and and had really meaningful relationships with lots of people to um, a place where not only did we not know anybody, but um, if you've been to San Francisco, um, you know that the people there are insane. And so. Um, we've met a lot of people that we don't we don't want to know, and so um, it's been it's been kind of a transition for us. But uh, um, we we moved six months ago, and I, and I do want to back up just a second because for those of you who were here when we announced that we were leaving and all that, um, you know the story that um, San Francisco has kind of be, kind of been in me and on me for for a long time now. And um, every couple of years, uh, I would look at my wife on a Sunday night or Monday night and say. Is it time? Is it is it San Francisco time yet? It, it, it was never time. It, it was never time in our personal lives. It was never time, um, what we felt like in, in the church's life, um, until um, we merged the church and redemption existed and and this guy um, started to come around and and I thought, man, this is this is this is our opportunity. Um, and I remember sitting here, one of Ricardo's first sermons, I was sitting in the back with Emily, and uh, and he was preaching, and I looked and I kind of nudged her and I said this might mean San Francisco. And, um, and so um, that, that was a huge piece for me to be able to hand this off to a guy who um, hung with us in the early Praxis days for a little while until um, East Valley gave him money and he had to go there. Um, um, and so it was somewhat appropriate that he came back around when we were able to give him money. And so, uh, and so it, it, just, it just seemed right. And so, um, at a, at a lot of levels, um, uh, I mean, it, it, just, it was the right time and the right guy for the right, right people. And, and, um, and so it's been encouraging, but it's also been one of those things where I, I talk to people, uh, you know, other than him, and go, how's it going? How's it going? And they just continually thank me for, for, um, giving you guys Ricardo, which is, um, really great for me. And then also, um, a, a, a kick in the stomach at the same time, because they, they just go on and on and on. And it's like. I get it, okay? So um, anyway, we we moved to San Francisco about six months ago. Uh, Our our plan upon uh, the recommendation of many pastors that we had talked to, our plan was to not do anything churchy for four to six months and just get to know the city. Everyone said that everybody that moves to the city has a, a culture shock moment. And you can either dive in and have that culture shock moment immediately and, and get through it, um, or you can insulate yourself with churchy people and churchy things and and then you go through the culture shock three years later and then and then you bail. And so we thought, well, let's just let's just dive right in. And so diving in to, to the culture in San Francisco meant Getting to know our neighbors and and being involved in the city and and going through going to do festivals and and being around and um and and smoking a lot of weed and uh, and uh you know we just we're on mission you know and um that's a joke but it is unbelievable I mean it is everywhere so. Uh, that, that was our plan. And so <clears throat> about about four weeks or four months in, um, we had just through a variety of connections, meeting people in in the city, just uh, some of our people have jobs or meeting people and gathering and um, just hanging out. And then uh, people who have moved to the city and were connected with Acts twenty nine or whatever. We had, we had connected with about 40 people, and it was kind of getting to the point where, where people were going, man, so what are you, what are you doing? What are we doing? What, what's, what's happening? And, um, you know, I'd meet somebody, and, and I'd say, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm here to plant this church, and this is kind of what we're envisioning for the church. And they'd go, great, but that sounds awesome. When, when do you meet? I go, well... You know, we have dinner every night at my house. You could come to that. I mean, we didn't, we didn't have anything. We weren't doing anything. And so um, kind of sooner than we had planned, about four months in, we started doing just really simple informational gathering, uh, gatherings in my living room. And uh, we've done five of those now, and, and we're doing them every every other week uh, for the last couple of months. And then uh, we're looking forward to to November and December and the holidays, and things get crazy during the holidays. And so we thought, well, let's just do once a month. And um, in order to to kind of beef up that once a month, we we moved them into a church. And so we just had our first gathering. Um, just this, a week ago today, um, on Sunday evening at a, at a church um, there in the city that's letting us use it for free in the evenings. And it's uh, a great situation. And it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, one of the benefits of having done this before is I have perspective on everything. And so God's given me this um, really unbelievable peace. that, uh, you know, we got to the end of our service and um, I went up to our worship guy, CJ, and just said, Hey man, that was great. You know, and he's like, was it good? Was was it okay? You know? And uh, I said, man, that was 1000 times better than our first service at Praxis. Like, like nothing broke. No one died. It it was, it was way better, man. Like it it just has given me a perspective of, of what church planning is and what to expect. And and so, so it's been great. So uh, we are uh, meeting again, once in November, once in December, and then uh, looking kind of January, February to launch, whatever that means. But um, we really want to take the time now while we have the opportunity with a small group of, we kind of, we have a a real core of about 20 folks and then another 20 who are kind of um, orbiting around it. But I um, really want to get some stuff into the water now, culture-wise and DNA of disciple-making and and, uh, and and liturgy. And just, I mean, honestly, we're trying to to do a lot of what we did here because we're very proud of it. And we love you and we love this church. And um, and so we, we want to duplicate some of that with with more of a San Francisco feel to it. So um, we're excited. It's good to be back. It's good to be here with you. And, and I'm really excited for your guys's future. Um, especially with Ricardo and and the leaders that you guys have in place here. So, love you. Pray for us. Thanks.
0: Would you guys, um, as we enter into our time, the rest of our time, would you guys uh, join with me as we pray for, for Justin and his wife, Emily, and their two kids, and? Third on the way. Third on the way. All right. So, yeah, let's pray for them. Father, we thank you so much for the work of the gospel and, and Lord, how you use just very ordinary people like us, the men and women in this room, and God, we thank you, Lord, that you bring leaders and you bring leaders that are able to see things uh, in clearer perspective than we can and lord you you 've given just a measure of faith and giftedness to particular men and women, Lord, that we are able to follow and, and, and able to see what you're doing. And so, God, Justin is completely uh, just the epitome of what that is for us here and for many of us here who know Justin have experienced his leadership and, and even just watching his marriage with Emily and their, their parenting. Father, it is, it is evidence of grace of just your hand in their lives. And, Father, we do pray for San Francisco. We pray that your gospel would continue to be firmly planted there and that the church in San Francisco would continue to thrive in response to Jesus Christ. And so, Father, I pray that you'd give them discernment, you'd give them wisdom, you'd give them clarity um, on how to plant this church and how to be the church uh, as, a, as a witness to the community that, that, that's in, their, in that area. And so, Father, we thank you again um, for what you've done, and we pray that as we transition here, as we continue to grow here, Father, that our, our partnership and, and relationship uh, with the church in San Francisco would, would grow. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Welcome, Justin. Man, Uh, I was just about to say that we're going to have Justin come back and preach every time he's in town, but now that he's smoking weed, I don't know if we're going to... We've got other things to do, so... Uh. So if you guys have your Bibles, why don't you guys meet me in Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, we're we're going to just start here and then launch from here and talking about where, where we're going here uh, in Redemption Tempe and what we see uh, God doing uh, by His grace over the next five years at least in, the, in this particular congregation. And so the letter that we have here is the book of Ephesians, and it's written by the Apostle Paul. And he's addressing now, talking about the church. And not just the local church, but God's church and and, and the big vision of God's church and what God is doing to grow his church. And the reason why we picked this this passage, because this passage will be, when we come to January, the launch passage for everything that we're going to teach off of. Because what the Apostle Paul is doing here is explaining what it means to grow, to be mature believers. And not just individually, but corporately, and what happens when a church grows um, in their roots and their understanding of the gospel and the role of the church and the role of its leaders. And so picking up in chapter 4, beginning in verse 12, verse 11, he says this, And he, um, he being God himself, and he gave apostles and prophets and evangelists and shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by the craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way and him who is the head and to Christ from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. The, the picture that we have here from the Apostle Paul is that every healthy church should be a growing church. That means every local expression of the church. And so at Redemption in Tempe, that we, if we are a healthy church, if we are a strong church, that there should be growth. And when I say growth, hear me now, I'm not just saying numerically that there should be more people than the seats. What I'm saying, first and foremost, there is a maturity of which Christ, by the Holy Spirit, calls the church to. Um, There's a maturity in which we do, we we start our relationship with Jesus, and then as we continue to grow, we grow into maturity. As a church, we planted the church, so Justin planted the church with 11 people. And now I think there's around 1,200 people, 1,100 people on an average Sunday. There's growth. That we grow in our understanding of Jesus and we have a sense of ownership what it is that God has given us. Um, The reason why I love this passage is it says that there's a role, and the particular role of my job and the elders here um, of growing this church is to be faithful to God. It is to pray to God and sense his spirit, sense his call on our congregation. Um, It is to equip the saints, meaning to equip all of you all to be uh, God's ambassadors in whatever place that God has you. We, we, we say this every week, we believe that all of life is all for Jesus. Therefore, we make disciples in response to that truth. Meaning, we, we believe that Jesus will redeem all things. And as we seek to look at his life, death, and resurrection, and apply the gospel to every area of life, that we do believe that there would be significant change. And so, um, when we, uh, last year in October, got together, when I say we, there were just three of us that we knew that would be carry the torch. Um, When Justin decided that he was going to leave and and answer God's call, um, it was myself, Jason Raber, who you'll meet later, and then Tim Anderson. Jason Raber and Tim Anderson had been here from the very beginning. They were a part of that 11 that met in Justin's parents' house. In fact, the people that are still there is Justin's dad, Justin's mom, and and then Jason, Justin's former boyfriend. Right? <laughs> that Jason, that Jason, that was, and then Evan, Justin's brother. I mean, there's a lot of Andersons and then a Raber, right? That was a part of that. Um, these guys were here and we're saying, what are we gonna do? What is God gonna do through us? Uh, we had no idea what would happen. To be honest with you, just, just to say thank you to you all, all of you stuck around. Um, Every single one of you expressed to me your concerns and your thoughts about losing the guy who started this church, and I listened, and I went back into my calendar and tried to count and see how many meetings I I had, subsequent meetings to the announcement that were particular about me as a leader, And, and I looked over the names and realized how encouraging all of those emails were. I mean, when, when you think about it, just my story and why I'm so excited to be here and why I know it is, is just a hand of God, it has to be, is because two years ago, I was, just a, I was a high school pastor And nothing to belittle a high school pastor, but I was a high school pastor hanging out with high school kids and junior high kids, doing what high school and junior high kids did. I got a phone call from Justin, and Justin said, as we merge this church, I would love for you to come back to Tempe. Now, to clarify what he said, I was here earlier, and East Valley Bible Church did offer me a job, so I left, and Justin didn't. So later, when Justin came back and offered, it was an opportunity uh, for me to come. Best decision I could ever make. I'm convinced that if I would have stayed here and been a part of Praxis, it would have been different for you all to accept me as someone who had just been a part of the flock. It would would have been harder. So coming in as someone that was new, it was good for me on that level. Another level for me personally was good is this is my favorite city. It really is. I've shared this story with before. Um, Tyler Johnson, who is a lead pastor of All Redemption, uh, we sat down just before Justin um, announced or actually told me first that he was going to go to San Francisco. And he said, of all places, if you wanted to plant a church, because he knew I wanted to lead my own congregation, my own church, where would you want to plant? And I said, well, only places in Arizona that I'd want to plant is Tempe. But we already have a church there, so we'll figure something out. And he goes, just say that you could be there. Would you want to be there? I was without a, without a doubt, I'd want to be there. And so when, when two weeks later, um, I sat down with Justin and Tyler, and then they told me that Justin was going to San Francisco. I'm like, that was planned, right? <laughs> that was totally planned. Tyler just tried to act like a prophet. It was like, no, he had something behind his back. <laughs> I was excited. I really was. I was excited. And I told my wife, this is great. Uh, and, and for me, here, here's, you guys have heard my story enough. I, I became a Christian in this city. And, and just God's redemptive story in it all for me is I did some of the worst things of my life and it influenced people in some of the worst ways of my life in the five years, five and a half years that I was in college all right? Um, those five years that I spent in this, in this particular city where God had given me a position of leadership, but the leadership that I had was not influenced by the gospel. And there are people to this day, good friends of mine, that are engaged in particular activities that are harmful for their life, harmful for their families, that I know that they did not do until I, until I introduced it to them. And so for me, not because I have to go and change something, I just feel like it's fitting for me to come full circle. When I graduated from college, I became a Christian. I wanted to leave Tempe because I feel like my greatest temptations were in this city. I prayed for new friends. God moved me to the west side. I was there for a good 11 months, which is all I needed to be in the west side for. Um, It's true. Um, He brought a U of A guy to disciple me, which I knew had to be a hand of God because that would have never happened on me. I came back here, was looking for a church, walked in the praxis. Justin was teaching through the book of Ruth. I thought it was phenomenal. We went through 2 Timothy, thought that was great. Hebrews, thought that was great. Um, Met Tyler Johnson. We had been meeting and then came to what was then East Valley Bible Church, which is now the Gilbert Campus. Um, That was in 2006. I got my first opportunity to be in ministry as an intern. As an intern there for a year, uh, my internship was over. I came back and I worked at ASU and I worked on campus as an admissions counselor. I did that for about a year and a half, got hired back on staff at East Valley Bible Church um, in 2008 and was there until I came here. And for me, when it comes to being back in Tempe, uh, personally, not just in this church, but even in this city, um, I, fundamentally, it is because of the gospel. And I'm just saying the simple truth of the gospel, that I knew the type of person that I was and The only thing that could have ever brought the joy and the hope and the vitality of life in my life was the person and work of Jesus Christ. And it is my absolute passion to be a part of a church in this particular city to be able to introduce and reintroduce people to that truth again and again and again and again. I, I was here for four years, never went to church once, never even heard of a church to go to. And now when I talk to college kids and I see the college kids coming in here, they're saying, oh, my friend told me about redemption. How did you get here? My friend told me about this particular church, redemption, or this church practice. And I say, Lord, I want to be a part of this. And so to me, the past year in itself, for me to say that it has it was been great um, is an understatement. Hard, yes, but an understatement. Never in my life, other than knowing that I was supposed to marry Holly, This this is this is the decision. I I said this to the members uh, about two members members ago member meetings ago that redemption was a 20 year vision and I personally believe to be here all 20 of those years. Now if God does something he does something but I just I love it here and I love you all. Um, It's not fake for me to stand outside and wave to you guys. I genuinely love you guys. So for the past year I felt like you guys have reciprocated that love to me and I appreciate it. I want to just say thank you. Um, We've prayed. We've prayed for more leaders. God's given us more leaders. Uh, Jim Mullins, who you'll meet later, who you've seen, he did call the worship. Jim was a guy that was functioning in all of redemption. We've been able to bring here in Tempe. Uh, Ryan Arneson was the guy that was attending church here, had gone through the elder process, but had another job. We were able to bring him on financially. Uh, we were able to bring the team together. We have the pastoral residents that you met, um, and Benjamin, and Oye. And we've been able to bring um, more and more guys on staff um, to be able to help lead uh, as leaders, the leadership here. And then for you all, it's just been amazing. And I'm going to show some stats here later, but I just want to say thank you uh, for what has happened up to this point, And then to give you a preview of what we believe God's calling us to next. That if we are going to be the mature church that that Paul talks about here in Ephesians 4, that if we take our responsibility that we would grow up and we would work properly, that we would care and take ownership of our faith in Christ Jesus, what type of church could we continue to be? And so here's what I'm saying. We're not scrapping what's happened in the past and say we're starting over. We are a strong church, and we're saying we want to be a stronger church. We are already healthy church, and we want to be even more healthier. We want to be, grow and see what it is that God has for us to do. And so over those six weeks, there's a few things that we're going we're gonna to go over, and I want to just walk you through those things here, uh, those six essential things that I believe and we believe as elders here is essential for us over the next five to ten years in establishing and growing as a church here in Tempe. Number one is ownership. It's ownership. And, and what I appear for ownership is being a people who, saturated by love take ownership of their faith, their church, and their city. And, and what I mean by ownership, it's not just owning this property. That, that's a part of it. But it's saying, I'm a Christian, and I own my faith. Meaning there, there's a sense where this is mine. This is genuine. I want to share it with somebody else. The, the example I think about here is we, we do a lot of borrowing around the church. We borrow people's cars and whatnot. And so what I'll do is I'll borrow somebody's truck in order to, to, to do some things in my backyard. And, and if somebody else, as I have a borrowed truck, asks me, hey, can I borrow that truck? I can't give it to them um, because it's not mine. And, and so often, I think, within church, we feed off each other, which we need to have one another, as we'll talk about that. But we need to have an ownership of our own faith that we need to read our own Bibles, that we need to read books, that we need to pray, that there is a commitment to saying, Jesus, you saved me, um, and you didn't just bring me to heaven. Therefore, you have me here for this, for this period of time until you come back or until I die. How do I cultivate this gospel truth? How do I cultivate this relationship that I have with you? And so there's ownership there. And then there's also ownership in the church. That you, you, what I hope and pray for is that we transition from being a church where you, this Tempe redemption Tempe, from being a church that you go to, that's that's my church. And there's a difference there. There's a difference between saying, that's a church I go to, and you know what, I'll probably go to another church, and then I'll probably go to another church and say, no, that's my church. The difference is saying, we're saying right now that people who are committed here, who are here on, on Sundays, that they take a commitment not just to be here on Sunday, but also to serve here, also to serve with the children, also to be in the context of one another, it's to disciple one another, that there's an ownership of saying, this is my church. That does mean financially saying, I'm going to give at this church, and whatever we're doing at the church, I'm going to be a part of this because I'm part of a team here. And So there's ownership there, and then ownership of our city. Meaning we do believe that God has sovereignly placed us here to be a witness to Tempe and the surrounding areas. And that's something we believe that, that God has called us to be, is to grow that next step as to have a sense of ownership. Uh, number two here is disciple making. So we, every church, every church in America has a mission. And it, somewhere in that mission, when you read their mission statement, it has something to do with making disciples. Here's why. Because when Jesus left, that's exactly what he told his disciples to do. Make disciples. Um, make more disciples of men and women and that's something we want to do. We don't want only just to make disciples. We want to be discipled. One of the things that we've learned as we meet with people and as we as we share with people here is there's not very many men and women who have been discipled and, and they're wanting to make disciples. And so we're saying, how can we cultivate an environment where people are discipled and they're also making disciples? Um, that people are being poured into, and they're able to now, in response to the same thing that happened to them, pour into others. I'm convinced the only reason I'm here is I can list the name of eight guys and keep going who have poured into my life. And so that's something we want to continue to do, is continue to make more disciples. And discipleship in itself is not just something that happens only by reading your Bible or reading good books or taking classes or being here on Sunday, but discipleship happens in the context of all of life. So when we say that all of life is all for Jesus, and we want to make disciples in response to that truth, what we're communicating is we want people to understand what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus living in the city of Tempe? What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus in your particular vocation? What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus as a mother, as a father, as a child, as a single? What does it mean to take this truth about God and apply it to every area of my life so that we can be the church amongst a, a bunch of people in our world that don't know what it looks like to be Christians? That as we make disciples in response to the gospel, that people who are not Christians at your, your, your places of employment would be able to see you and say, that's what my life would look like if I believed in Jesus. Number three is we're going to talk about reliance. And when I say reliance, it means dependent upon God's word, his spirit, and his people. Um, we, 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 we cannot do nothing apart from what God tells us to do, uh, what, he's, what he's given us to do in his word. So we have a commitment to preaching from the Bible. We have a commitment to preaching through books of the Bible, to preaching through topics of the Bible. We have a commitment to God's word. And so whenever we have a decision to make as elders, whenever you have a decision to make as people of our congregation, that it's an opportunity for you to pray through what it is that God says and apply that to your life. Also, the role of the Holy Spirit. We believe that's something that as a church we don't talk about a whole lot But the Holy Spirit is at work in God's people, and we want to have a reliance on him. And what does it mean to cultivate a culture within a church that we rely on the Holy Spirit for everything? That we're constantly praying and asking God, what do you want to do next? And Lord, we don't want to make just fast decisions just to make decisions. We don't want to make decisions just to be pragmatic. But Lord, we want to see what it is that you have for us to do. So we see people constantly praying, trusting, and seeing what is God by his Holy Spirit calling us to do. And then also reliance on each other that there is community here, that people care about one another. We were at an RC leader meeting the other day, and one of the RC leaders was sharing how the church had come alongside other people in the congregation and helping her sister-in-law uh, go on a mission trip, and she just began to, to burst into tears, and I thought, man, if I could just take this and say, hey, this is what I'm trying to communicate, that we serve one another, and we rely on one another. Um, this morning, um, I'm not trying to say that everyone should do this, this morning a group of guys came to my, my, my backyard, and I woke up and I saw them back there, and they were cutting, cutting my grass and putting seed down, and Newer down and i was like oh you guys are gonna do that thank you because i wasn't gonna ever do that right and i was really thankful for that i was like just some guys in my rc they said hey we know you're busy we know that you don't really know how to do this and uh, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna do this for you because i already tried didn't work um and so they went to do it again and i was wow i think that's just the community come along one another another thing that we we believe is that the local church has a mandate to represent god's whole agenda Meaning, um, particular parachurch ministries, as great as they are, they usually have a specific people in which they're targeting, whether it's college kids or athletes. We believe that the local church has, we have the agenda, God's agenda to say, we're going to reach all people. And therefore, when it comes to the type of church that we are desiring to be, it's an eclectic church. Uh, And so, meaning that the local church represents a a broad spectrum of society. From the womb to the tomb, meaning we do desire for older people to be a part of this church. So, so, so often I hear people saying, do you guys even want older people here? And it's like, yes, I, I, I promise you, just because I'm not older, wait, 30 years, you'll know. When I'm 60, you'll know, yeah, they do want older people to be here. No, we want older people here now. And I know that's relative. And you say, what's older? In Tempe, older than 28 If you're older than 28, please. I mean, if you're older than 50, please stay here. Like, I'm begging you. You may not even be a Christian yet. And I'm just saying, just stay here. People will think that you are. The fact that it would be, it would be great it would be great. And so what we do, in order for us to be an eclectic group, that means not just ethnically or racially, we do to have cross generations and understanding gender-specific roles. We need to understand those things. And so meaning redemption tempi, we desire to be multi-ethnic, multicultural, multi-class, non-gender-specific, intergenerational church that learns and lives amongst one another. Now, that's a a tongue full. But when we read through Ephesians chapter 2, here's something that we see from the apostle Paul there. He says there's something about the gospel where Jesus Christ, he breaks down a barrier. Um, particularly, he breaks down the barrier between Jewish and Gentile. But we believe that the gospel, it, it when applied to our lives, it breaks down cultural barriers. It, break, it breaks down ethnic barriers. It breaks down social preference areas. It breaks down political barriers that people could be a part of the church and be completely and uniquely different people and yet center around the truth of Jesus. Um, I got a couple emails last week of people saying, hey, I'm looking for a church that just moved here. People told me I should come to your church because it's, it's a diverse church. And I wanted to email back and go, is that because they said that I was... They had an African-American pastor, right? And I like, I didn't say anything. I was like, yeah, sure. We're not there where we want to be yet. I do think that there's some discrepancies of where we want to grow in. This is a vision that we have for five to 10 years. But we, we do believe that when the gospel is preached purely that these things happen, that we want to resemble at least what our city around us looks like. We want to be able to look like that. And we want to be able to show the community around us that that ethnic groups and people groups that do not get along outside of this building, that they get along within the context of community. That when when people come to your redemption communities and and people are um, your neighbors, they see the type of people pulling up on their cars or longboards or bicycles or whatever it is, however they're they're getting there, they're they're going, what are you doing over there? Oh, these are just people from my, my church that are getting together here. We're going to open up God's word. But they're just so, they can't figure it out. And Christianity has been like that since day one. Um, last few things here is sent, that we are a people who understand that we are sent both into the world and politics and art and all the sectors, whether it be education, whether it be government, whether it be a stay-at-home mom, that we are sent there and within the church to embody the good news of Jesus. That, that the most important thing that we do is not gathering here on a Sunday, but the most important thing that we do is to embody the good news of Jesus and whatever it is that God has us that your primary calling or wherever you are, where do you spend most of your time um, in your family as well as in your vocation, that you were there, not just for a reason with some ambiguity, like I'm not really sure, it's just a reason. No, you're there to work in that particular industry to showcase the glory of God. Um, if you're a stay-at-home mom, that you're working um, in a, such a way at home to care for your children, uh, to create the beauty of the gospel and the things around them, to teach them about Jesus but to, and to love them in that some way that you're doing that, you're knowing this honors God that we see students who are sent into the university, that when they're sitting in in a botany class on plant biology and they're learning about chlorophyll and the process of photosynthesis, that they're not just going through those things, but they're understanding, I'm getting this quality education because I am now being sent out into the world to be an ambassador of Jesus, and therefore my education matters. Not just so much how much money I can make, but so that I can be trained to be a faithful witness in this particular industry. So we see that the gospel in itself, when applied to life, when applied to work when applied to family life that when we we believe that we are sent people that god sends us all to be his ambassadors into the world around us um there's a great quote here by gabe lyons talking about the church and its role and being influential When he says this the church remains the epicenter of what is possible it's the most uniquely positioned channel of cultural cultural influence when it's operating on all cylinders No other institution regularly convenes people who work within the other six channels of culture on a weekly basis. just saying the church in itself, we're unique because we're everywhere. That God's people are scattered everywhere. And if we don't shut off our faith when we go into these industries, and more than just evangelism, but how we work and how we care and how we serve at these industries. And the last thing I do believe that we, we need, ownership, discipleship making, reliance, that we grow and be an eclectic church, that we are sent people but we're also generous. So generosity is it. That responding to the self-sacrificing love of God that we to ourselves give. And, and hear me, more than financially. That when you read about the Christian church from, from the book of Acts on, you saw that the church was always about giving. That they were givers in themselves because they realized and believed that Jesus Christ was all that they needed. That that the example of giving came by looking Jesus, looking to Jesus who left the comforts of heaven. He who was rich, who became poor, and he poured himself out because of the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. It was selfless, sacrificial love. And when we read throughout the history, we see the church constantly giving themselves, meaning this is our ministry to the poor. This is our ministry to the least of these. This is our ministry to the unborn. Well, this is our ministry to people who are not like us, people who are not in this room, that we are taking not only finances, but taking our time and our energy. And these are things that are already happening here. There's 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 a multitude of organizations in which we partner with to serve. Um, we have ESL classes that that have already started in which we're working with many of the Somali uh, students who have come here because they're refugees and we're teaching them English here because of this particular campus that government has cut adult education um, the funding for adult education and so we have a particular couple in this group and this congregation that are members that are starting an adult education facility here so they can use our facilities to help train adults that do not have education or the proper education so that they can go out and be stewards um, with the things that God's given them. And so when we say give and being generous, it is constantly saying we're not giving to God or giving to our family as Christians or giving to this world what we have left over, but we understand in Christ Jesus, he's everything to us. He's laid down his life for us. Therefore, we give. And I'm convinced with all of these things, as we continue to hammer these in over the next six years, over the next six to 10 years, over the next 20 years, um, we will be the influence that we'd want to be in the city, that we'd see people know Jesus for the first time. uh, We'd see people who have known Jesus grow in their faith and mature, and that we would be a witness, not just in word, not just the proclamation of the gospel, but also the promotion of the gospel and all that we do. And in fact, let let me read this quote from you from Rodney Stark. Um, he talks about essentially how Christianity's 40% growth um, per decade happened because they were generous, because they served. And he says this, Christianity revitalized the life in the Greco-Roman cities by providing a new norms and new kinds of social relationships able to cope with urgent urban problems. To cities filled with homeless and impoverished, Christianity offered charity as well as hope. To cities filled with newcomers and strangers, Christianity offered an immediate basis for attachments. To cities filled with orphans and widows, Christianity provided a new and expanded sense of family. To cities torn by violent ethnic strife, Christianity offered a new basis of social solidarity. And to cities faced with epidemics, fires, and earthquakes, Christianity offered effective nursing services. This This was the church in the first century and the second century. And we pray that it would continue to be the church in and through us. Amen? In, In Acts chapter 17... When Paul was talking in Athens, here's what he says to the people. He's talking to a group of people who do not believe in Jesus, and he says that it is God himself who has set the seasons and the times for you to be in the particular places that you are. And the reason for that is is that people would feel their way to know Jesus. We wholeheartedly believe not just my story, but your story. That God has sovereignly placed you within this region, within this city, and within this local church so that you and the people around you may understand and know Jesus Christ. That we believe that as we continue to grow as a church, the steps of maturity for us is something that we cannot do apart from the Holy Spirit. H- hear me on this. The church is not the hope of the world. And Redemption 10 is not the hope of the world. Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. His life, death, and resurrection is the absolute hope of the world. But apart from that, no man can know Jesus, no woman can know Jesus, and no one can be saved. So the church is not the hope. It just so happens that Jesus decides to use the church to witness to the hope of the world in himself. And so when we now go into this series, a part of us being a church, I mean, you, you know it. A part of it is, is, is an ownership. I said this before. We, we do have to own our faith, but we also have to own this building. Um, and, and so a few about a, about a year ago, we started talking about buildings, and about eight months ago we said, "Hey, we have a building, the building that we 're meeting in Some of you weren 't there, but we were leasing this building for three years, and we were saying, Do we want to be here Do, can we be here?" And we went to talk to the people who who owned it and they said it was seven million dollars and we Definitely can afford that. And so we said no. And, and then we came back and asked again and asked again. And finally, they dropped it all the way down to 3.7. And that was uh, by us begging them to continue to drop it. And so we said, 3.7 million, we can do that. But even if we can do that, we wanted to get it at the time that we got it because the rates were so good. And we, all, we also wanted to say, can we do this financially so that we always said that if we wanted to do ministry, we didn't want to, we wanted the further ministry, that the building in itself was a tool to further ministry. We didn't want to have to let people go or say we couldn't hire people because we got a building. And so whatever our lease was, it had been great if we could have got a mortgage that was cheaper than our lease. Well, we were able to do that. And here's how that was able to happen is there was a school that was leasing some places here, two schools. And we said, hey, we'd be willing to enter in a contract with you because we're going to buy this, mil- this building. And so the way that that broke down numerically is 3.7 million is what we purchased the property for in August. Um, two million of that, we took a loan out from the bank. Um, a million of that was gifted to us, just freely gifted to us by all the other redemption congregations. When we say that redemption church, together we're better, that, that's one of the reasons. Meaning the lead pastors at Arcadia and Gilbert and Gateway looked directly at me and said, we believe in what you guys are doing in Tempe. We believe that Tempe is influential. And if we're for redemption as a whole to be strong, we believe that Tempe needs to be strong. So we're willing to gift you guys a million dollars. Do you want it? And I said, do I? Yeah. <laughs> absolutely well, they, yes thank you a million that's a million dollars and that's something we said wow that all these congregations said we're willing to give that and so that was three million and we had the point 0.7 and we said where are we going to get the point 0.7 from and so then we took a loan um as as Tempe from redemption as a whole and said we promise that when we start raising support we'll give this money back we'll promise that we'll give the 700,000 back the million we'll take thank you um the, 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 the 700,000 we'll give back and here's why, guys, hear me on this, me, me your eyes. One, we, we want to be owners, um, which is hard for us as a congregation because about 60% of our people, probably 80% of our people have never owned anything. Um, 60% of our congregations hasn't committed in marriage, not to say that you don't know how to commit. So we do know that that, that in itself is something that's going to be a stretch for us, but we need to understand that. Also, when a, when a church owns in a community, just like when you go to a community and people own homes, it's better for that community. We do want to show the community around here that we're just not here just to have people to gather here, but we're here so that they can use it. There's upwards of around eight to nine organizations, schools, and ministries that are using this facility currently right now. Um, another reason why we wanted to own it is we wanted to own this as Redemption Temple um we didn't want to say that somehow we were we were it was coal building we kind of owned it but somebody else owned it we wanted to say no we can do this we can do this as a church and then lastly is uh, was it was a reason for the gospel advancement that we know that there'll be other congregations that may be in the same position we're in years down the road we know that we have a congregation that came from here up in flagstaff with vince and maybe one day they're gonna need a building. We love to say, hey, there's $700,000 at least there because at Tempe, we believed in giving outside of ourselves so that we can own this building. And so we are gonna raise a million, $700,000. We are going to pay back that loan cash and then $300,000 of that, we're gonna be able to um, refurbish the campus here. Most of that's going to go in our children's ministry. Um, I know that some of you guys have not been through there. It's, it's pretty good facilities or decent facilities, but not nearly what it needs to be, and so we're going to put money there. We need to resurface the parking. We need to fix the lights. We need to do some painting. There's a lot of things that we need to do here, fix a few things in here, but for the most part, you won't see much change within this building, but you'll see it on the external levels and say, we'll say a hey, million dollars. We'll do it over three years, um, and I'm, I'm convinced that we can do it. I'm, I'm really convinced that we're doing it. In fact, I wanted to go more than that. I just know that you guys would probably give more than than that, then I can say, hey, we gave more than that. And here's why I'm convinced, all right? I want you guys to show you some visuals. Um, First, this is what's happened over the three years since we've been on this building. In 2009, I think it's a pop-up here, and in 2009, here's what our average attendance was. It was 745 per per Sunday. Today, our average attendance is 1,129 per Sunday. So there's growth there. Um, when it comes to our giving here, so our annual giving in 2009 was 570,000 and where we're going now projected for this year is 950,000. So just short of a million dollars of what we brought in. Um, so what just kind of a rule of thumb for people who, um, people, just one second for people who, when they, when they give is that usually what people would say is you give, you will probably be able to give above and beyond your normal giving, um, one and a half. And so we're convinced that we can do this. Uh, this next is the special offerings we've had. So these are one-time givings. Every Advent since since being here, we've taken an offering for at least one organization. So you see in 20, uh, 2009, we had the Fiji trip there. And so we raised $24,000 to build a counseling center. That was one-time giving here. Um, in 2010 for Rio Vista Center, we raised $25,000 to put a new roof on the center. One-time giving. And then last year for Maggie's Place, we raised $32,000 to help the Tempe House uh, serve homeless women. And so one-time giving would been able to do it because of the giving that we've had we're convinced that we can do it we can we're we're totally convinced that we can do it i I got one thing um i want to i want to share with you guys before i'm going to bring the elders on stage and that is a difference between when it comes to giving to a local church the difference between measurable giving and immeasurable giving Uh, For measurable giving, you can see that. You can see stats. You can go, I gave here, and this happened. I gave to this organization. This many people uh, were able to go to this trip. They're measurable giving, and they're crisis. This family is in need. This family is hurting, and we're able to do that. In fact, one of the things that we commit ourselves to, and we've been able to do it, is for for since our existence, we've been able to save 15% of what we bring in. So whatever that annual giving, 15% of that goes to church planning, it goes to parachurch ministries, it goes to ministries outside of Redemption, Tempe, because we believe that we should be giving outside of ourselves. Um, And a lot of those times, they're crisis, they're crisis moments. Whether it was uh, things that happened in Japan when they had the earthquake, we gave thousands of dollars to that. But those are measurable. But what the, what people don't see when they give to the local church is are the immeasurable things. And the immeasurable things are this that there are men and women in this room who are able to work in a way that brings glory to the Lord and help their particular organizations because they have an understanding of the gospel applied to life. Um, that people don't see that there are people who, are, who have started coffee places, not just to, just to say we're just going to make money, but we want to, we understand that we are here to love God and love our neighbor. And the best way to love our neighbor with the particular gifts and resources that I have is to make the best coffee here. Um, I don't know if you guys read Christianity Today, but they, they did a series of articles um, on um, this is our city. And they did it on Phoenix, and they highlighted about six to seven men and women who were doing and engaging into um, cultural activity—not pastors, not ministers, just people who love Jesus that were a part of a local church and doing incredible things. Um, plenty of those people go to Redemption. One in particular here at Redemption, Tempe, was the best story. Now he told me not to mention his name, so I won't mention it. So if you read Christianity Today, go look at it. His name's Joe. And so there's a really good, there's a really good, really good article. And then you look at that and you go, that that you can't, you cannot measure that. What happens when people? People are introduced to the gospel and disciple in that way. And even on the negative side, you cannot measure the fact of how many women will go home tonight and not afraid that their husband's going to beat them. How, how many people are going to go home tonight and know and trust that, that their, their family is going to love them? Um, because how many people are not going to get a DUI on Wednesday night on, on Halloween because they understand what it means to use alcohol in such a way to glorify God and not to abuse it? We, we can't measure those things, but those things happen daily and weekly as people participate in their local church. And so, what's next for for you all? Uh, What can you guys do? As you look at the back of that that deal you have there, one, you can pray for your elders during this time of of new ministry in this this season. We want to meet with you all, so you can meet with the elders if you have any questions. And reflect from now all the way into that campaign, reflect and pray about what kind of financial commitment you can make for 2013. And then pray that our building would be used to make much of Jesus um, and be a blessing to our city. And so the next step for you guys is just same. as a pastor, whatever the next step for you is, take it. Some of you, you, you know, I come to church once a month, start coming more. Um, some of you go, I come to church every Sunday, start serving here on a Sunday. Some of you say, I'm here all the time and I serve, start being in a community. Some of you say, I'm in an RC and, and I serve and I love Jesus and I'm pretty mature. Okay, talk to your RC leader and the possibility of starting a community. Right now we have 21 communities, and I hope by the next year that we would have at least 30 to 35 communities. Um, right now we, we, have, um, we have about 1,200 people, 1,100 people here, and about 250 of those people are members. I think it's about 25% of the people here at this church um, are not members. And so at our members' meeting, someone said, Ricardo, do you have a goal for how many members you want? And I was like, I didn't. I thought, that's a great question. So we went back to the elders and said, what would be a good goal? We're about 25% to 30% right now. We want to be 60% of our people that would be members. And some of you said, I don't even know how to become a member. We're going to have membership class next month. Um, Going to the class doesn't mean you have to become a member. But I I would encourage, we hope to have 200, 250 people in that class as we can talk about what does it mean to be a member of redemption. What does it mean for us philosophically, theologically, and what does it mean? And that's something we want to call you to. Um, If you're you're, um, just kind of a halfway Christian, you're not really sure, grow in maturity. If you're here and you say, I'm not even a Christian yet. Here, believe in Jesus Christ. Confess with your mouth that he is Lord, believe that he's died on the cross for your sins, you become a Christian. That would be the next step for you. Wherever we are, you need to go home and pray. Uh, if you live with your roommates, play with your roommates. If, if you live with your, uh, the family, pray with your spouse, with your kids. Lord, what are you calling us to do next? And that's what I'm going to do. Um, this is not only my vision. And uh, one of the values of Redemption Church is we believe in the plurality of leaders, and so I knew I would talk at you guys for a long time, but one of the things I really wanted to do is that we don't get opportunity to do much is to introduce you to the elders that we have here at Tempe. So would you guys join me as we bring a few of the guys on stage? Uh, <laughs> welcome them. I'm going to go ahead and get out of the way and then let you guys just, just tell, tell them your names, a little bit about yourself, and just kind of what you do and what you're excited about. Um, it'd be good yeah, for them start. to meet you guys. Uh, my name
2: is Jason. I'm kind of the executive pastor here uh, in Tempe. run all the facilities and volunteers and, and things of that sort. And I'm just really um, excited and looking forward uh, to this kind of move we've made to, to settling in and, and finding a home. I've been here uh, for eight years since the beginning Of Praxis and and now Redemption Tempe, and uh, we kind of wandered the desert for a while, and and God was really faithful, Um, and and that's kind of the thread that's run common through this whole thing: is God's always been faithful uh, to provide for us, Um, even in in circumstances where things look like they could be really bad. It turned out to be really um, good, so it's kind of funny how God works that way uh, when you have a little faith. Um, But (laughs) God, uh, God, God has been faithful, and He's been faithful to bring us here. Uh, and I'm kind of excited already to see the, the level of ownership that some people have taken. Um, it's just kind of the difference between uh, renting an apartment and owning a home. Um, people are already excited about what we can do. And, and um, I'm already having to manage a, a ton of requests of people who have ideas for what we can do here. Um, and they're all great ideas. You know, Just hopefully uh, we have enough space for all of them. Right
3: My name is uh, Jim Mullins, and I'm the pastor of Theological Education and Cultural Engagement. And uh, part of my role here is to uh, facilitate our classes and to facilitate the work that we do to bless the city. And um, probably what I'm most excited about is the idea of theological education and cultural engagement, bringing them together. And that we, as a community, would continue to go deeper and deeper in our understanding of our great God, And that that would just fuel our love and our service uh, to this great city. And uh, I'm just obsessed with the phrase all of life is all for Jesus. And I just want to press into that more as a congregation.
4: So my name is Ryan Arneson. Uh, I'll start out. My wife's name is Janet and we have four kids, Abigail, Hannah, Ethan, and Mariah. Uh, Just by way of you know, if you're looking at my feet, I don't usually wear Birkenstocks with black socks. <laughs> so I had a bit of a foot issue this week. So <laughs> for everybody who prayed for me, I appreciate it, but this is what you end up looking like when that kind of stuff happens to you. So, um, now we, I'm, I'm the family and discipleship pastor here. So we came here when it was practice as well, but we're just my, I know my wife and I are very excited to be a, a part of a church that's young and growing uh, and has a lot of young marriages, college students, uh, I really enjoy being a part of people coming to know Jesus for the first time and people that are struggling in their relationship with God and in their families, so we want to be a part of helping in that way.
2: I'd like to apologize to everybody wearing Birkenstocks and black socks out there.
3: Jason had a rare moment of sensitivity. Um, if if we look a little shook, we just went over to the children's ministry and got interviewed by forty rabid preschoolers. They asked some tough questions like, "How did you know God wanted you to be a pastor?" Anybody for snacks? Let's just do snacks right now. So, so you guys are nothing. So. Uh, well, my name is Tim Anderson. Um, I'm one of the pastors here. I was here in the original. That's my son, Justin. I have four kids. Uh, I'm married 35 years to Sherry. I have 12 grandkids. Um, I'm excited about um, the age of the, of the church. Obviously, I know I hit on that quite a bit. But we need to get older, and we are. Uh, but on top of that, I'm excited how um, you're kind of running me out of a job, which is good. Because we've learned the concept, if you're a Christian, you're a counselor, okay, we care for people. And that's what I'm seeing in RCs just everywhere. You guys sort of don't need me anymore to the level you used to, which is awesome. We need to take care of each other. So that's what I'm really excited for. We're getting this idea of family. And I think by buying a building, it just sort of makes that happen, like Jason said, it's ownership. So I'm excited for that. The future is really unlimited. Uh, from very humble beginnings, from, uh, we had a big vision. Uh, Justin cast a large vision. And it's coming to pass. And this is, I'm just really excited. So thank you for being with us.
0: Tim, will you, will you just pray for our time and Jim can lead us in response afterwards? Absolutely.
3: Thank you, Lord. For eight years, you have been here. Uh, the cast of characters have changed. Uh, the rooms have changed. But you have not, Lord. And we count on that. We trust you. You are a great God. And, Lord, we're just we're excited for the future. But we want to be smart. And, and, Lord, we're just asking for you to direct us uh, to discipline us, to just guide us as we, as we jump into the future. Lord, thank you for all the blessings. It's in your great name we pray. Amen.